chapter number 17, Luke 17, verse 11. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves to the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Where were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? They are not found that return to give glory to God save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Uh, Revelation chapter number 7, beginning with verse 9. Revelation 7, 9. And after this I beheld and lo a great multitude which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God, and serve Him day and night in His temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. Neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto fountains of living, into living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. As been stated, uh, today is the day that I, I realize Thanksgiving is Thursday, uh, but today's the day that Lafayette um, sets aside the Sunday before Thanksgiving to have a fellowship meal and a Thanksgiving service. Uh, and I have no idea, Brother Carter, uh, what he'll preach tonight, but, uh, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the fellowship. Uh, looking forward to the meal. Uh, we probably ought to have, and I'm not saying this because I like food, which I do, but we probably ought to have fellowship meals far more often than we should. It's a good time to come together and to fellowship one with another. And I think personally we ought to do that far more than we do, than we do right now. Uh, also looking forward to the fellowship. Uh, we're trying to put, having spoken with Brother Jeff this week, we're trying to put together a uh, a revival this year that will include uh, uh, us, Macon, Days Crossroads, Hilltop, 
um, Rocky Mound, Maple Grove, those churches that sort of fellowship together. So you be prayerful for that, that that'll come to fruition. But at any rate, this is a Sunday that we set aside to be thankful. And, and here in America, we, we can trace Thanksgiving back uh, all the way since our founding. And I believe it was General George Washington who, uh, who after that God had delivered us from war with Great Britain, uh, he, uh, he proclaimed a day of thanksgiving for bringing America through a horrible war of independence. And a day of thanksgiving was set aside from that day forward uh, to recognize God above and the eternal heavens that, uh, that made a way for America to exist. And, and we're to be thankful that a place like America exists. America has by far and above sent more missionaries out of the foreign fields than any nation under the face of the earth. And I think that's one of the reasons God gave us this. We had to fight for it, but God gave us this land. And we're to be thankful for that. But you can, you can even trace it in America back to before our founding. Uh, you can go back, and you've heard me say this before, but you can go back uh, in the 1500s in England. Uh, out of the house of Tudor came a man named Henry VIII. And he was a monster of a man. And he, uh, he wanted a son more than anything. And, and he would marry and uh, the wife couldn't produce a son. And so he would divorce and marry another one. And that was the continuation of his life uh, up until the time he beheaded his wife Anne Boleyn. Uh, in the Tower of London, but uh, but but you can trace that back and and find that uh, among that in that time that uh, that God was beginning to move at, uh, in that place and and in that time when Henry VIII wanted to uh, get an annulment from one of those marriages so he could marry marry another uh, that uh, that the Pope, which England was uh, servant to the Roman Catholic Church at that time, and the Pope. Uh, would not annul this marriage. And, and so King Henry VIII broke England away from the Roman Catholic Church and he just, he just started the, the Church of England, which is the Anglican Episcopalian Church that we know of today. And, and King Charles is not only the, uh, the King of, uh, of England, he's also this day the head of the Church of England. But, uh, but, but around that time, or about a hundred years after the Church of England was formed, uh, like every man-made state-sponsored thing does, when man gets involved, a dissension began to arise within the ranks of the, uh, the new-founded Church of England. And, and so there was a great deal of Roman Catholic influence that was in the Church of England. And you had some groups of people, the Puritans wanted to purify that church from within. And then there was another group, and I don't know if they still teach this. When, when I was in school, they tended to teach this. I'm not sure you're allowed anymore. But there was another group known as the Pilgrims, and they, they were more separatist. They realized that, uh, that they could never purify the Church of England. So they wanted no part of it. They wanted to separate themselves from it. And, and they were persecuted for their views. And, uh, but they found some refuge in Leiden in Holland. And, and as they were there, they, they found refuge there. And they began to grow as a family and grow as a community. But over the course of time, uh, it seemed that the more liberal culture of, of Leiden and, and, and the Dutch uh, was permeating into their children. And the Pilgrim Fathers did not like that one bit. And so they said, what can we do? And they decided among themselves to, uh, to board two ships. One is the Mayflower and the other is the Steedwell. And they set course for the new world. And so you can trace our lineage back as Americans 
uh, back to that point in time. And so they set out on those two ships. Uh, shortly after they set out, uh, the speedwell took on so much water that it began to sink. And so they had to turn around, reverse course, and go back to England. And they stayed there for a few weeks. And then on September 16th, 1620 they boarded the Mayflower and they started their journey again. And from all accounts, half of that journey was wonderful. There was sunny skies and there was blue water. And then, and, and, and the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh, sort of the mood among the ship was good. People were having a good time. They were enjoying it. They were looking forward to the blessings that God was going to give unto them. Uh, but about halfway across, things changed. And they changed quickly. And I personally think uh, Satan tried to stop them with everything he could uh, to keep them from doing what they were doing. Uh, but about halfway across, the weather changed. And they uh, began to be under great tempests and great storms and great howling winds in such a manner that the main mass of the Mayflower actually snapped and began to crack. And so a lot of those on board said, we must go back. Uh, but there was a man named William Bradford aboard that ship, and he said, no, sir, uh, we cannot go back. Uh, we've come too far. Uh, we've journeyed too far. He said, we put our faith and our hope in the God of heaven, and he will deliver us. And so the rest of that voyage was horrible. Uh, it, was, uh, it was just fighting every day amongst the weather, and, and, and the mood began to really take its toll. And so they were pregnant people on board that ship. And there was one young man actually died not too long after they got here. But at any rate, uh, they and I'm not, I was going to read that, but I'm not. It was just a quote. It said, don't really matter much. Uh, but it was a quote uh, by this man. And, and so William Bradford said, we must sail on. And I would say to you today uh, that we've had it in America. We've had good sailing weather. I mean, we've had prosperous weather. Uh, we've had sunny skies. And we've had blue water. And we've went along their merry way spreading the gospel. Uh, but now we are entered into a time. And it's going to get worse. I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news. But I want to be honest with you today. And I want you to tell, I want you to understand this. We're going to have to weather the storm. For the storm is amongst us. It's walking amongst us. The enemy has sowed tares among the wheat. And an enemy has done this. And so because of that, we are going to experience dark days. We're going to have hard days. And there's going to be about half the churches that will say, what's the point? We should just fold up. And we should just go back. Uh, but I would ring into your heads today uh, the words of William Bradford. Uh, we must continue on. Uh, we must get through this storm. Uh, we must get to the place uh, where we can worship God and raise our children right. I'm telling you what's the truth today. Uh, our universities are destroying everything that's good about America. Uh, you ought to say amen to that. I'm telling you the truth. Uh, you save your money and you mamas and daddies. You send your boys and girls off and they get indoctrinated with that same liberal thing that, that, that the pilgrims you know what they did? They loved their children so much that they said we cannot let this thinking creep into their hearts. We can't do it. So they set out 
and that journey for a new land. They meant to land in northern Virginia and they actually landed in Plymouth Rock and it was horrible conditions in November in that place. They were so glad to see landfall and they came together and before they before they got off of that ship they drew up the Mayflower Compact. You ought to thank God for that. That birthed the founding documents that you enjoy today. That Mayflower Compact. It had never been done before in the history of the world where it was a government for the people and by the people. Never been done. Men had never self-governed themselves but always look to the king. And so they tried a new experiment that day. So what does that have to do with this reading? I want you to understand today we ought to be thankful. We ought to be thankful to the bountiful God in heaven that has given of us this land that has given us the freedom today. I don't have to worry, at least not yet, about somebody coming in that door and hauling me off to jail for preaching Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You ought to be thankful for that. It's not like that very many places in the world, but in America, that's why I still have hope. Even in the dark days that we're entering into now. Even in the days that we've shaken our fist at God. You know what we're doing? How we're telling God how that you don't need our help with the clouds. That I'm sorry, you're not that God, you're not able enough to control the temperature of the climate of our earth that you created. You need our help with that. That is arrogance to the nth degree. And then we're saying this. How we're saying that God, you made a mistake. How when this boy was born a boy, he should have been a girl. You made a mistake and you need us to fix your mess. That's what we're saying to God. And that's why we're going to enter into hard times. That's exactly why. Hey, you can argue about uh, you can argue about uh, about uh, financial things and about socialism, and and you can argue that and make your case. Uh, but I'll stand on the word of God uh, that we are entering into hard times because we have departed from the faith, Amen. giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And that's exactly what the average church in America today is. And God help us today. So what does that have to do? I read unto you a story where there were ten lepers. And they were nine of those lepers were Jews. And one of those lepers was a Samaritan. Where the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. They should have been, they should have been enemies. But being a leper in the days of the Bible uh, was something that we could never fathom. Uh, well, really, uh, the closest thing that would come to it would be what we just went through in 2020 and in 2021 uh, with COVID. Uh, leprosy in the days of the Bible was an absolute death sentence. There was no cure. Uh, even in as early as the days of Moses, God instructed Moses how to handle the lepers. Leprosy was a horrible disease. It was a disease that, uh, that it showed itself outwardly, uh, but it was doing all its work on the inside. It was doing all its work on your nervous system, uh, but it would manifest itself outwardly uh, so other people could see that you were lepers. And it would start off innocent enough. There would be a little red spot or a little white spot uh, just on your skin. didn't look too bad. Uh, but over the course of time, uh, what was happening underneath that, underneath that epidermis, uh, 
in that nervous system. Uh, it was gnawing away the very, uh, the very thing that, uh, that makes you able to feel anything, to touch anything, to feel any kind of pain. And so, so what would happen over the course of time? Uh, it was a disease that was literally rotting you from the inside out. Uh, you, it would manifest itself on the skin and they had to do certain things. And in order for them to ever be clean and pure again, they would have to first, uh, first it would have to go away, which leprosy didn't go away. Uh, but if it was a false positive, so to speak, uh, they would go show themselves to the priest. The priest would examine them head to toe and then allow them to go back and enter into society. Uh, but what happened to those that didn't get healed? Uh, what happened to those that wasn't a false positive but a true thing? Leprosy was horrible. Uh, those men and women would have to rend their clothes. Uh, they would have to put a cloth over their head. Uh, they would have to put a covering over their upper lip. Uh, they, would they weren't allowed to get within 150 feet of anybody. Uh, so if they were simply, they were banished from the camp. They were made to live apart from their family. Husbands had to just say goodbye to their wives. Kids had to say goodbye to mamas and daddies. And they were forced to live on the outside. And if they were walking down the street and somebody started approaching them, uh, they would have to hold up both hands and say, I am unclean, I am unclean. And you need to stay away. It was a horrible thing. And it rotted you from the inside. Uh, your, uh, your, uh, your, uh, your gait and your walk would slow down. Uh, your limbs would get gnarled and twisted. Hands would wither. And your nose would eventually fall off your face. It would just rot away. It was such a mess that, that you could smell the rotting flesh, that you could see the rotting flesh. That men, men in those days, there were no antibiotics, there were no cure, and so they would finally get to the point where they were totally numb. And men actually lost hands and fingers because animals would chew on them while they were asleep, and they were so numb that they would never know the difference. Can I be honest with you today? What leprosy was, it is a picture of what sin does to the human soul. It will start out innocent enough. It will start out like it doesn't look too bad. That's the way leprosy started. But by the time it ended, you were a shell of who you used to be. You were put outside the camp. You weren't allowed to hug anybody. You certainly weren't allowed to touch anybody. You had to live apart from everything that was good and right and holy. And you were just out there and outcast. And it would eat away from the inside to the point where you couldn't feel anything. Can I tell you today, we've got to that point spiritually in America. We are to the point we have become past feeling. Amen. And nothing, nothing, nothing touches our soul. That's right. Uh, all the monstrosities that are happening today and we just simply have an apathetic attitude. Well, if they get saved, they get saved. If they don't, that's between them and God. I'm telling you, we have lost the ability to feel anything. We are desensitized from everything. And that's a design. And that's what leprosy did. Only it did it to the body. Sin does it to the soul. And over time, that soul deadens inside. Over the time, uh, when God first draws you by His grace and by His power, you can feel that. You feel that tug pulling you. You be scared today, dear friend. Because uh, over time, if you never respond to that, over time, you will never feel it again. I'm telling you, it's a dangerous thing. 
Is there any hope? Yes. As long as you're living, there is hope. But I'm telling you, it's dangerous to put it off. And because the more you put it off, the, more, the less lucky you are. You'll finally get to the point where the Scripture says that you are reprobate. What does that mean? It means you will simply not feel anything and you will have no desire to get things right with God. That's what happens to the soul. And so it's dangerous. But Jesus saw these men. He saw, now they were leper colonies. Like I said, there was nine Jews and a, and a Gentile, a Samaritan. But they were leper colonies where even enemies would gather together to have some sort of some sort of companionship for they weren't allowed to go in and have companionship with their own family. So they would have leper colonies and they would travel together. Can I say this to you? We're going to see in a minute. You can go to hell by a great company. But when you come to Christ, it has to be you and you alone. But you can go to hell with a great multitude. So these ten lepers, they came. They had probably heard how Jesus had had uh, had appeared to a leper earlier in Luke's gospel. Luke was a physician. Luke was interested in this miracle cure. And so Luke had already told about a leper saying, Lord, if you will, you can heal me. And Jesus said, I will. And he touched that leper. That's the first time that leper had been touched in years. But he touched him and he healed him. <coughs> These lepers didn't get that treatment, but they heard about Jesus, and He was coming near to where they were. And all they had to rely upon was His mercy. And so they stopped Him and began to yell. Now your voice was like mine. If you were a leper, you would lose your voice, and it was hard to speak. And so they were, they were yelling as loud as they could, but, but not much sound would come out. And so they were pleading with this man named Jesus, Heal us. Have mercy upon us. Thou son of David, have mercy upon us. And all Jesus said, without a single promise, He just said, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And that's all He said. He didn't touch them. He didn't heal them. He didn't call down anything from His Father above. He just simply told them, Go show yourselves to the priest. Well, to go show yourself to the priest, you had to be healed. You couldn't walk up to a priest as a leper. But nevertheless, through faith, they left believing that they would be healed. So they left believing that what he said would be the instrument that he used to heal them. And the scripture says when they turned and left, they were lepers. And all of along, just imagine this now, walking along their way with their crippled bodies and their mangled arms and their mangled hands, not able to speak with the covering over their face. Uh, one step, they're still a leper. Two steps, they're still a leper. Three, four, five, they're still a leper. But somewhere along that journey before they traveled too far, all of a sudden they took a step and at one time all ten of those were healed. Just imagine what that must have been like. Imagine what they must have felt. For they were, they, were, they were so deformed and they were so outcast 
and they hadn't been around their family in years. And all of a sudden, with one step, they were all cleansed. That means their flesh didn't have sores anymore. Uh, that means their countenance was no longer pallid and pale. Uh, that means, can you imagine, as one of them must have said, wait a minute, what's going on? I feel different. I look different. Something's happened to me. Uh, what in the world has happened? Uh, we've been healed. We can go home. We can go see our families. We can finally go hug our husbands or our wives. Our wives, I guess, for they were men. We can finally go see our children. Hadn't seen our little boys and girls in a long time. Probably a number of years. Finally, we can go back. Finally, in other words, they knew within themselves something had changed. They felt that. They saw that. There was no doubt to them or anyone else that there had been a great change in their bodies. And because of that, because of that, out of those ten, there was one, the Samaritan. The Samaritan didn't, he might have not even understood what go yourself, show yourself to the priest meant, for he wasn't a Jew. He didn't live under the law of God like the Jews, but he was a Samaritan. And so, so uh, he sent something Something had changed. I'm healed. I'm made whole. I'm free of this awful disease. And so something had to be done. The other nine went on their way. The other nine probably went to the priest. They went to their homes. They went to their families. They went back to their lives. But there was one among the ten. One among the ten and only one said somehow, some way, I've got to make my way back to this Jesus of Nazareth. Somehow, in some way, I don't know how I can do it. I don't know what I could possibly offer him. But somehow, in some way, I must give thanks unto this man. And so one out of those ten, one and only one, fell down at the feet of his Savior. And he began to cry with a loud voice. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And you know what Jesus said? And he said, where are the nine? There were ten cleansed. Where are the nine? The man didn't say anything about them. He just said, I don't know. I just want to thank you. Whatever they're doing, they're doing on their own. I had to come back and tell you thank you for what you've done for me. And Jesus then gave him a blessing that the other nine never got. He saved him right there on the spot and he said, your faith has made you whole. I've thought about that this week. I thought about the sinful woman with the alabaster box of oil. Nobody persuaded her. Nobody asked her. Nobody, nobody ever dreamed of doing what she done. Uh, for Mary of Bethany hadn't done this to the Lord yet. As far as we know, nobody had ever done what this woman who had been a sinner had done. But when she saw Jesus, she heard Him preach. She began to think within her heart, He's given me hope. He's telling me I can be saved as Jesus took His gospel to the poorest among them. And she heard that. And for the first time in her wretched, sinful life, she had hope and she believed and she was saved. And in order to show her sincere thankfulness, she took the very most precious thing that she had, which was a little alabaster box contained with some ointment. And the Bible says she, she, she didn't anoint his head. 
She went to the lowest form. She went right to his feet. Uh, right to the feet. She let down her hair and began to wipe his feet and crying all the time. And those big tears fell from her cheek and landed on the feet of her Lord. And she dried them with the hair of her head. And you know what? The Pharisees didn't like that one bit. They said if Jesus knew who this woman was, uh, he would shudder in response because she is a sinner. Jesus knew exactly who she was. He had saved her. She wasn't a sinner anymore. So what did she do? She wanted to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so she cried and she anointed his feet. She dried him. And you know what Jesus said? She's done this because she loves me. We've got a great... I preached last Sunday on worship. Worship to me is just thanking God for who He is. Just thanking God for being that all eternal invisible spirit being from everlasting to everlasting. Praising God and thanksgiving to God is something different. It's thanking God for what He has done for you personally. I thank God for my family, for my wife, for my friends, for this church that has been a beacon to so many, for the members that make up this body. Thank you for you that bring your children to the house of God. Thank you for you that, that stand unabashedly and boldly and unashamed from time to time to publicly thank Jesus Christ for salvation. Thank you. You realize, have you ever thanked Him for disrobing Himself of His glory for you? Have you ever thanked Him? How, how do you explain the incarnation? I have no idea. All I know is that God became a man. That somehow, some way, that invisible spirit being from everlasting to everlasting implanted Himself into, the, into a virgin uh, teenage Jew and was born of the flesh for you. Have you ever thanked Him for that? Have you ever thanked Him for what He went through? you ever thanked Him for preaching? Ever thanked Him for His ministry? Ever thanked Him for healing? Ever thanked Him for Golgotha? Ever thanked Him for Gethsemane? Ever thanked Him for Calvary? Ever thanked Him for that third day when He rose from the dead? He did all of that for you. For you. For you and for me. Every last one of us. You ever thanked Him? You ever thanked him, those pilgrim fathers, when they first landed, they lost half in the first winter. Half. They went from 100 to 50 or so. Half. Half were dead. What did they do? Did they curse God and get mad at God? No, sir. They had a thanksgiving. Half of them were dead, but they made it. You listen. We're going to go through horrendous times. But we're going to make it. We're going to go through hard times, but we're going to make it. It's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. But it's happened before in this nation. Those pilgrim fathers had no idea, no idea that there were 3,000 miles of virgin forest laying before them. Had no idea. A young man that God had allowed to be captured as a slave named Squanto had escaped and been set free. And he sort of navigated peace between those settlers, the pilgrims, and the Indian tribes. God had designed all of that 
All of that behind the scenes. Squanto was taken captive, learned the English language. Now he could correspond. And they had a thanksgiving. They had no idea that because of that choice that they made in Leighton Holland, they had no idea that God was about to bring about the greatest nation that's ever been formed on the face of this earth. He had no idea. They had no idea. They just wanted a place to worship God without influence from the Roman Catholics or the Church of England. They wanted to flee persecution from Henry VIII. They wanted to raise their children in the ways of the Lord. They had the Geneva Bible, maybe even the King James Bible. That was 1620. This was 1611. They had one of the two, I'm sure. But they settled. And from that, from that one little thing, you know what happened? And a little time after that, there was something called the Great Awakening where the Spirit and the hand of God moved on this continent like it had never moved on the face of the earth at one time. I mean, revival after revival, men of God were being called, lifted right. People were getting saved by the multitudes. By the multitudes. All because a few people had gathered together in England and said, we want a, we want a place to serve. We want a place to worship. And even though, uh, even though Satan and the storms of life and the physical storm and the cold, they were off course. It didn't matter. Satan tried everything he could to hinder them. Curse God and die like Job. But they, like Job, said, No, sir. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. The Lord brought us here with a hundred. We're down to fifty. But the Lord gave, and the Lord take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And from that, and from their compact, uh, came the founding documents of America today. I'm thankful for our heritage. We're living in a culture right now that wants you to be ashamed of where you are, who you are. Wants you to be ashamed of where you come from. No, sir. No, sir. I'm thankful for this. The Apostle Paul wanted to go into Asia and preach. He said we were minded to go into Asia and preach. But the Holy Ghost said, no, don't go into Asia. And then Paul had a vision and a dream of a man in Macedonia saying, just come here and help us. What does that have to do with all of this? Paul didn't go to Asia. Paul went to Europe. And because Paul went to Europe, the gospel spread through Europe. How do you think the gospel made it to America? It was because the Holy Ghost told Paul not to go to Asia, to go to Europe. God navigated America long before we were ever thought of. Do you realize that? This church in Lafayette was formed in 1849. Nearly 175 years. This church predates the Civil War. It's been a beacon. I'm here to tell you, we're going to make it. Times are going to get hard. Like those pilgrims, we're sailing through some rough seas. We might lose some of our number. It might get too hard. They might fold. They might be like the nine. As see too many times, we take our blessings and we run away. Where are the nine? They, 
They took what God gave them. And instead of giving thanks, he gave them a continent of blessings and an island of praise was returned. That's how it is. God help us to be more thankful. I couldn't choose who I was born to. Couldn't choose who my mom and daddy was. But God saw fit to give me parents and grandparents that loved the Lord. I had no control over that. But God saw fit that someday, in some way, while I was sitting in a little Methodist church in Doug Tussle, on the Tennessee side of Doug Tussle, that God reached down in His mercy and He pulled me and drew me, me with my complete free will. Like the pilgrims, I had to make a choice. Do I run to that altar? Do I begin to repent? And do I begin to plead with God? Or do I just take what God's given me in the ways of family and go my way? Thank God I made a choice that night to go to that altar. Thank God I made a choice when He drew me to repent. Thank God He helped me to do that. And He helped me to believe. Thank God that night He saved my soul. Thank God a few years later He called me to preach. Thank God many years after that He brought me here. I'm thankful for everything God's done for me. I read in Revelation about a thanksgiving that's going to take place. Matter of fact, that is taking place. And it will take place throughout all of eternity. Uh, preacher, I just don't like to be in church. I don't like to be in church when it's dry and dead. See, that one, that one, that one leper, didn't matter that the other nine, you see, the, 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 the truly born again saint, doesn't let the deadness of the church stop him from thanking God. The true born-again saint doesn't let the coldness of family and friends stop him from serving God. So no matter how cold and callous this nation gets, no matter how cold the church gets from time to time, it shouldn't stop you from giving private and public devotions to the one that saved you. I don't like to be in church when it's cold and dead. But I'll tell you this, when it's alive and the Spirit of God is flowing and coming down and the Holy Ghost is sent from the Father, sometimes He just walks up and down these aisles and walks in and out of these pews, begins to lay hands on one after another and then you stand up filled with the Spirit of God thanking and praising and testifying of what God has done for you. There is no greater place on the face of this earth didn't be in that moment. And if you don't like that, you're not going to like heaven. But if you do, if you live for that, if it, if it strives you, if it does something on the inside of you, if it draws you, if it fills you up, my friend, you're going to enjoy heaven tremendously. I just read there in Revelation, day and night they cease not to cry and to thank God for what He's done for them. Glory and honor and blessing and salvation and thanksgiving to the one that sits on the throne. Why? Why did they give Him thanksgiving? Well, I read that too. Because they'll hunger no more. They'll thirst no more. They'll die no more. They'll be sick no more. They won't want for anything anymore. They won't sin anymore. The curse is gone forever. No more. You might not believe this, 
You need to pray. I didn't realize how much I needed to pray for my pastor until I became a pastor. We spend, at least I do, and talking with others, they're quite the same. You realize it takes me to about Wednesday to snap out of how, how horrible of a job I think I do on Sunday morning. It takes to about Wednesday to get that to go away. And quite honestly, the only reason why it goes away then is I've got to prepare for Wednesday night. And then that lingers with me till Sunday morning. And it stays with me till I have to shed that and empty myself all over again. I'm not saying this for my glory. Preacher, you're preaching for preachers. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What does all of that have to do? There's coming a day. I won't have to do that. I won't, I won't have to prepare a people. As much as I love ministering, I love preaching. I want you to be, I'm here most every Tuesday and Thursday, six or eight hours. My phone's never off. You, I want you to feel comfortable enough with your pastor. Tell me your problem, and I'll pray with you. But you realize they're coming a day. You won't have to do that anymore. I won't have to do this anymore. Not that it's a curse, it's a blessing. But you realize that'll all be behind us. And faith is opened up now right in front of us. That's why they praised Him. That's why they praise Him today. That's why forever and ever and ever, while the ages roll on and on and on, there will be somebody at the throne of God at His feet, just like that leper, thanking Him for what He's done for a wretch like me. I know who I am. I know I'm a sinner. But I know I'm a sinner that's been touched by the Master. I know I'm a sinner, much like those lepers. They went away, a leper, but as they journeyed, they were healed. I've told you my story. When I rose up from the altar, I was still a leper. I knew nothing, nothing had happened. Though I prayed, and I wept, and I cried, nothing happened. I went on my way. But when I stood up, boy, something happened then. It was like those lepers that were walking along and all of a sudden they, they probably just stopped mid-stride and looked around and thought, Hallelujah. Glory to God, what's happened to me? That's the way it was. I stood up. When I was on my knees, I was a leper. By the time I got to my feet, I looked around. My goodness, what glory has overshadowed me now. I knew something had happened. Thank God I wouldn't like the nine. A lot of people that's been saved are like those nine. They never, they just keep examining their lives over and over to the day they die. Am I still a leper? Am I cleansed? Has that spot returned? They're like those nine. But that one, that one who had enough faith to say I'm no longer a leper, he gave thanks. If you know something's happened to you, don't be like those nine. Don't take your blessings and leave. Fall down at his feet. If you know something to be different than it ever was before, stand on that. Remember, just one man, William Bradford, said we've got to go on. We're facing hard time. Might need all these waters. I'm about done, I promise. We must sail through this storm. If there's going to be a Lafayette in another 175 years, if we're still going to be plodding along, we're all going to be dead and gone soon. 
It don't have to be because we bring our children. We teach our children. We, our children see mom and daddy pray. Our children need to see mom and daddy thank God from time to time. If there's America still a baby, we're still an experiment. What those founding pilgrims did with the Mayflower Compact and what our founding fathers did after the war with Great Britain, that document, you realize the universities and the liberal theologies, but they're trying to destroy that today. Yes, it's true. Amen, that's true. Why is that so important? A bunch of old dusty documents. Those old dusty documents give you the responsibility and the ability to stand and do this for a lost and dying world. If that goes away, so does America. If freedom in America goes away, there's not another place on this earth that you can go flee to. We are the last beacon of hope for freedom. If it leaves America, you'll never find it on the face of this earth. I'm thankful today. God has blessed me far more. He's took a lowly... A hundred years from now, most people will never know Benji Black will ever exist. I will have lived and I will have died. And most people outside of Macon and Monroe County will never even heard this name. But He took us from the dust to the earth and He's raising us up to glory like we've never dreamed of. Me and you. Let's be thankful for that today. Be thankful. He didn't have to save any of us. He didn't have to heal those lepers. It's because He loved you that He saved you. He wants you to have a good life. He's not standing out over the balconies in glory trying to peck people on the head and punish. That's not the God that we serve. That's how He's portrayed. The God that we serve loves His church and He loves His children. And sometimes He just wants to gather us up. When He puts it upon you to say or do something, do that. Give Him the praise that He deserves. Thanksgiving. It's been long. I'm sorry I didn't mean to preach this long. It's all right. I'm thankful today. I'm thankful. I'm thankful.